Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. We're back again with you today. It always feels like I'm in charge because I say my name first. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> I'll let you. Tell you what. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we are both completely wowed by the cigar we have in our hand. It's probably been lit five minutes or more. And um, it's amazing. Um, so we're going to get right into that just because I'm eager to talk about it. Um, we have the Christoph Christiana Toro. Which part of the reason I'm wowed is because I thought it was going to be a Connecticut, which Connecticut's aren't always boring, but they're a little milder than normal. So I had in my head that it's not going to be this phenomenal cigar. And then when I actually put the information into our notes, I'm like, oh, it's not a Connecticut. This might be good. And so I got excited. And as soon as we lit it, just right off the bat, um, it was awesome. There was kind of a burst of very light spice and sweetness coming through. And a spice, like picante spice on your tongue, just lightly, and some sweetness, some um, kind of earthy, bready sweetness. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it's just, it's just still wowing us, even after having been lit five minutes. My draw is perfect. And uh, so, uh, what are you getting? I think <clears throat> this, this cigar, I mean, I like to speak in generalities mm-hmm. first and then kind of narrow it down, mm-hmm. but. It reminds me of just like after a really nice meal, sitting. This is a cigar I'd like to smoke after a really nice filling meal. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of uh, bold and and uh, how could you say it has some strength to it, but not overly strong, yeah. but just satisfying strength. And so yeah, starting it up had that spice, and I can still actually kind of feel it in the back, in the back of my throat a little bit. Uh, I don't know if that's a like a nicotine thing or whatever, but. Um, uh, this good spice, but yet it's got those really sort of nice, sweet, rounded, mm. uh, sort of, uh, yeah, like you said, like sweet bread or yeah, it, something it, similar to that. It's what I like. It's what I like in a cigar. So let's let's give you the, the details. Uh, this cigar sports a beautiful medium brown Nicaraguan Criollo Habano wrapper. Habano. Drink- Habano, draped over a Dominican binder and filler. Of course, no surprise, Christoph's a Dominican company. It is medium-bodied, and don't let the low price tag give you a second thought. This cigar is far more noteworthy than the price point would suggest. It is $5.65. Pretty cheap stick. Yeah, and and uh, and that wasn't on sale. That's a pretty huh. average price for it. Um, and... Typically, the cigars we smoke are more in the eight to ten dollar range, but this was kind of with a group of new Christophs, and since we just went through the Christoph sampler, the old Christoph sampler, we wanted to um, just get all the new ones, you know, <laughs> cheap or not, try them. Well, okay, so I have, a, and maybe we've probably covered this in previous podcasts and things, but it says here that it has a, a, a Nicaraguan Criollo Habano wrapper draped over Dominican binder. So, does that mean that it was grown in Nicaragua? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm really curious as to how that process goes on, you know, because I've always been surprised in my third world travels how sort of like, well, if Amer- if like the typical middle class American was there in that, would, would go down to these countries and watch this process, they would probably think it was like, it looked a lot more like drug trading than, <laughs> than like an, like a well-established industry. And I... <laughs> You know, like, cause I've worked in coffee and some different things, mm-hmm. and it always amazes me how sort of, you know, in America, when we have a, a company or a brand or a business or whatever, you try to polish it and make it look nice and and everything, but it seems, it's probably like some guy in a, with like, I don't know, sketchy vehicle, mm-hmm. <laughs> running over dirt roads, and then he shows up, and... I mean, I, I bet you're right boxes. because the road isn't going to be no. even a graveled road unless that business pays to gravel the road, probably, you know. So, um, probably no wood bicycles, but no. <laughs> probably not in this case. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's that's just how it works when you don't have a big infrastructure mm-hmm. government, you know, providing stuff for you. You just, you just do what you got. You got an old beat up, you know, they probably got five, ten, I don't know, beat up trucks they haul bales of mm-hmm. cigar leaves in um, it's pretty fun to think about we're sitting in the middle of <clears throat> iowa here smoking this nice cigar and thinking about where it came from and how it was 
grown and transported. If only the people that grew it could see us now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they would think, well, I'm so glad that we, yeah. we gave them that Nicaraguan Criollo Habano wrapper. So um, I'm not going to go into the details now. I might on some show if somebody comments and wants me to, but the it was interest. I did an interesting read a couple years back about the difference between Criollo and Corojo, what they were, and you know one is like a hybrid, but the other you know and they're both uh, they're both I believe from Cuba, and you know just about like any other tobacco, it's been everything's been transplanted somewhere, mm-hmm. you know Ecuador, Nicaragua, wherever, <laughs> and they try to grow it there, and of course when you take that Cuban seed and plant it somewhere else, it's going to kind of have a life of its own because it's growing in different soil conditions and different weather conditions. But it was interesting reading the, the kind of the history of those two wrappers because it's like they sound really similar, and uh, so that that was a that was a fun read for me to do with some interesting information online. But I know that I kind of like the a Criollo wrapper, and I also know that I like the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper because we've had some mm, good luck. Yeah, we've had some good luck. Some with of my those. favorites. Yeah. So, or habanos. All right, but this is this is just starting off wonderful. I I hope we can. I hope the conversation that we have can live up to yeah. the cigar. <laughs> if we're just quiet and kind of spacing off, you'll know why. Mm-hmm. And Joe mentioned that his almost went out, and I'm feeling like if I talk much, mine really goes down. Yeah. So we we might have to. It could be the humidity. Maybe it's oh, really it, humid. It is. Day. That's right. And uh, the cigars. Um, I just checked my humidor. Um, two days ago, and they were at 69, which is actually just a smidge higher than what I yeah. normally 65. But anywhere 65 to 70 is good around here. So, mm. <clears throat> but um, so the world is pretty much, you know, the world's going to turn, regardless of who's president, regardless of what you think politically, and the media is always going to be driving a narrative instead of reporting the truth. And so that being said. <laughs> Where are we going? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think one thing it's like, it's a little bit fascinating that I've been, so there's a lot lot in the news right now. I mean, even today it broke uh, Trump's tax returns. He's, he's, uh, I mean, the things that that are saturating the media is what I'm talking about here. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, he's, uh, I guess, claimed, uh, uh, what is it, uh, not administrative, executive executive privilege. Uh, Congress is trying to hold bar in contempt. And all this, this kind of junk. What's interesting to me is not only the uh, uh, saturation of and obsession by the media, of, like attacking our president and pushing their agenda rather than recording facts, obviously. But it's also <clears throat> interesting to me that they speak as though what they say matters, <laughs> and and it might matter, but there's so many uh, alternative sources of information, and they're so available, and they're so good today in this age mm-hmm. when you can jump on a, a platform like twitter if if the people you want to listen to haven't been banned or whatever you can get any opinion you want i mean any any angle uh that you want so i think that in one in one sense it's interesting how i'm the question is like who's driving the narrative who's driving the conversation yeah that's one thing and 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 it's just fascinating to me what what things they like to talk about versus versus other things. But yeah, clearly, 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 the facts are second to an agenda, pretty much all the way around. It, it is, and and again, or not again, because I haven't said it yet. But um, it's fine if you're an opinion journalist and you're offering your opinion and your. But the thing that bothers me is the media outlets that say we're about reporting the news yeah don't speak as if they're reporting the news they speak as if they're reporting their opinions and i I honestly i think anyone that just honestly listens they can hear it because a lot of times they're saying well if this is true well wait a minute you're a reporter you're supposed to be figuring that out and telling us if it's true you're not supposed to be pushing a narrative that says if this is true all of this horrible stuff's going to happen right and so little of it so little of it actually has any bearing on real life on day-to-day real life for real people that's what fa- I think that probably fascinates me more than anything. There's so much energy and so much passion and so much money and time goes into things that are not going to affect my day yeah. or my week or my year or my life. Well, and so 
the news, most most of the news, I will safely say, I think, major news outlets, um, maybe there local are a few, affiliates, yeah, they, even yeah. local affiliates do it too. They, it's really hard. Like very few people are doing. I don't think you can do completely unbiased news, but but tr- but I think very few are honestly trying to do unbiased unbiased bipartisan. Just mm-hmm. just give us the facts. Maybe there'll be a resurgence, and since there's this big need for it, maybe somebody will start doing it better. I don't know if you can sell it anymore. Well, and that's that's where I was going. That's where I was going because now it's entertainment. It's yeah, like it's we more want of that. Than yeah, we else. want the thrill of mm-hmm. oh, if it's true, and is our side going to win or is the other side going to win? Right. Right. Well, but also think of the anxiety they're creating. Well, if this is true, you start feeling that thing bubbling up inside of you instead of saying, wait, if it's true, why am I listening to this? If it's true, you just go yeah. on with your story. I don't, I don't need to feel because it's not even a real feeling. Yeah. It's a feeling about what may or may not be right. Yeah. And it's like, you know. It's a, it's an old concept. It's it's what they call, uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce it. It's a Hungalian or Hugalian dialectic. Mm. Where you create a problem to get a reaction so that you can propose a solution. It's like the whole thing is played from from start to finish. Yeah, yeah problem, reaction, solution. If you've ever been in really um, either really good sales or in some cases really yeah. bad high-pressure sales, both teach really good techniques that work. Mm-hmm. And that's just what, what media and enter, what the entertainment news media has become. I mean, and it's, it's like just saying something as simple, well... If my foot got ran over by a mower, so I'm going to, when I say that, if you said, well, if your foot got ran over by a mower, if I start thinking about that, I have a feeling about it, like an emotional feeling. I might even get some kind of weird physical twinge thinking about that, but it just simply isn't true. My foot has not been run over by a mower, but I'm still having real responses to it emotionally and maybe even physically. And so I don't know if you get addicted to that or... Or what? I think so. Maybe. I think people definitely do. I mean, I know when I'm listening to somebody that that I trust, I still have to tell myself, wait, is this true? Because when you trust somebody, you don't ask yourself that question as much. Right, it's been you established. Know? Yeah. Like, you come in and you say, oh, did you see what happened and you tell me? Right, I don't really question yeah, it because yeah. I trust you. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway. So, um, so yeah, I Media is just... I mean, in the whole collusion thing, and I'm, and I'm mentioning collusion even though it's sort of old news. It's like gone from, you know, they spent what, two years saying, oh, the bomb, the, the, the hammer's going to fall, the bomb's going to drop, the whatever, and then nothing. So yeah. now they've switched to obstruction and working on that. But the reason I wanted to mention the collusion kind of being old news, because we do have a song yeah, later later in the show. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Bryce and I did a, did a song... Um, called no collusion we'll uh we'll throw in a little later on in the show so so be ready for that one <laughs> but uh but the tax thing's probably trump's taxes that's probably like the most important thing in the news isn't it as far as well most important i don't know it's probably the most prevalent thing you're going to hear i think there are some pretty actually some pretty important things going on with not we didn't even talk about any of these uh before the show but um apparently north korea fired off more missiles oh, and yeah. stuff yeah iran is that. saying that they're going to back out of their no nuclear deal if you can call it a deal that was a Obama joke. Yeah, let's pay the millions of dollars to <laughs> not have nukes. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or let's yeah. unfreeze their money. Yeah. What, what, yeah. I don't care what you want to call it. Um, and then uh, we've got some, yeah, we sent some, we sent a carrier and some, a battle group or whatever over to Iran, I guess. So that's kind of spinning up. We may be in war. I know, that's, you know, it's I... It's probably important. It, it is, and... Um, I'm trying to, as a person who does care about politics, who I want to say important things on the podcast, I want to talk about what's relevant in news. Sometimes, like, ah, it's over there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a little bit of that oh, in yeah. me, but it's like, but it all matters because the news, the information travels so fast, and yeah. your life can change in the push of a button. It really know? can. Um, we forget that, though. We, we, I think there's a couple of factors at play with that. Mm-hmm. We, I think Americans have war fatigue. We've been at war yeah. since 9-11. That's an incredibly long time. I mean, we, this is our longest period of war in, in our history. And we're just tired. I mean, we're, we're done. We're, like, saturated with it to where we, can't, doesn't, we don't care anymore. Well, and if I can add to that, and this is, I'll probably say this wrong. If I say it wrong, cut me a little slack here. But w- there aren't many of us, well, I don't think anyone has, 
Okay, 9-11 people were killed on in America. Mm-hmm. That was on our, on our land. So that was a pretty big deal. Because how long had it been since that, since anyone was killed on American soil? Like by a foreign... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a, a long, quite a while. Oh, a long time. So, yeah. you know, so that obviously piques piques our interest, but in comparison to big wars, and that's not not to minimize how many people died on nine eleven. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I don't want people to get wrong. But like, you know, World War Two, there was probably not a person Significant living things. that didn't have someone pretty close to them dying. Yeah, or Vietnam, or yeah, Korea, or Viet- or any yeah. of these. Yeah. So, and that that's not to diminish nine eleven, but to say. Um, you know, there hasn't been, uh, you know, just numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers of people just right. constantly dying, which thank God, Yeah. but we are, we are still in this weird, it sort of doesn't affect us phase, mm-hmm. but we've been at war. So it's, we're almost saying, oh, it's war, but it isn't that bad. Kind of. Right. A, I mean, I'm trying to identify my feeling and it's assuming true. other people are yeah. feeling the same way. It's true. And, and honestly, you know, we, we, yeah, we, uh. We've we've been to a place where not only have we not had hundreds of thousands die, but we are also a generation that's completely mm. devoid of a concept of war. We've never seen most of us have never seen it. I've been to war zones, yeah. but not when people were fighting. I mean, it was still high tension, but it wasn't. I didn't see anybody shooting. Um, and the the average American, the vast majority of Americans, have just they don't understand how horrific war is and. Mm-hmm. So they don't understand. They don't have any point of reference where, you know, people, even in the 40s, 50s, they kind of had more, they were closer to it. Yeah. If, if you know, so. Well, and the closest. And they heard firsthand accounts right. and things. And making it personal, this is the closest I've ever come. I remember during one of the desert, was it Desert Storm? I, I might get it wrong because there's a couple that were close together and kind of kind of similar because I wasn't following <laughs> world events back then. I think it was Desert Storm where... My sister called and she was freaking out because she's like, her husband at the time was, uh, there was a possibility he could get drafted because he was in the age. And I was like two years above the line. Uh-huh. So like I wasn't going to get drafted, but my brother-in-law could. And he didn't, but the fact that, oh my gosh, this is serious enough that my wife, that my sister's husband could have to go to war whether, yeah. he, wanted, you know, whether yeah. he felt it was his duty or not. That was a pretty big deal, and that's the closest mm-hmm. I've ever come. You know. Well, see, even the idea of a draft. I registered for the draft yeah. when I was when I was a, you know, when I turned eighteen. I registered. Even in my class, there were guys who were like, "I'm not doing that. I'm not registering for the draft." I, we this generation now, how many of them have registered? I bet almost none. Yeah, because it's not even something people talk about. And <clears throat> excuse me, if we got tied into Russia or Iran or Korea or something, we could seriously see. A draft again, or China? Yeah, China's the one that China's the one that kind of yeah just like worries me more than anything because sometimes I just think that I mean, the, the the egotistical side of me just gets pissed and say just we need to we need to just nail them. But then I'm like I'm thinking if they're really as smart as I think they yeah. are, that's a bad idea. Yeah, it really probably is. Yeah, but I mean even yeah. and that's bar what, fight mentality yeah. basically. Yeah. So like, I think that that just continues to exacerbate the problem of us having a disconnectedness with war because it used to be even when I was young man or you were young man hey if we get into a big fight we might have to go but yeah. now even that idea is just they, people don't care mm-hmm. well I'm I am grateful I'm thankful that I never had to fight for the freedoms I have I'm very grateful for those who, who did and I remember a time when my godmother basically slapped me figuratively with words <laughs> because when I was, I don't know, I was, I was probably out of high school by a year or so and I basically said something that was like, I'm not I'm not sure if my country has anything worth me dying for. And I was, I was dumb. I was young and dumb. And she tore into me because, you know, she's got, had a, you know, an uncle, a father, like several people that had fought and some who have died. And... And, of course, I hadn't traveled. I really didn't know how good I had it at that time. You know, and now I think I know the world a little better. And I know how good it is here. Um, Some of that you just can only get with age, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, because even guys like, that might come back from Afghanistan or something 
having fought themselves and seen friends die or be wounded, even them, I think a lot of times they don't care as much about the freedoms that they're fighting for necessarily as much as they care for their brothers. Yeah. I'm talking like young guys that come back. Mm -hmm. And that's totally understandable, but I think on a conceptual level, on a policy level, or on a freedom level, most people don't really understand or engage those ideas much until they get into their 30s or so and they start to have families and realize, hey, freedom's important. uh, Well, at least that's been my experience. There was a lot of years when I was younger, I never thought about what I value. You know, somebody might say something and I'd be like, oh, that's a cool idea, but I never distilled it down to, wait a minute, what do I value? Like somebody might have said, you know, we really need to take care of people that that need food in the United States. I'd be, yeah, yeah, that's reasonable, but I never distilled it down to, we need to take care of them, but should I force people to give to charity? Is that the right thing to do? Is taking someone's money and making them feed the poor, is that right? Or is yeah. should I let it be um, uh, your, your, free, your free choice to do that? So I, I, I just never did that. And I think as you get older, you start to do that, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, it's part of it. I mean, for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, so we kind of went from Trump. We went to war, threats, so... I, I want to dig into the, the tax thing a little bit because I, I, I had I heard some interesting information. Someone was was asking some other podcast host if there was an issue with you know Trump being an American in addition to being the president. If he had some some right to you know keep his information private, and if there was going to be an, any kind of an issue there. And the podcast host, uh, I wish you could remember who it was. I'd give him credit if I did basically said that's not so much the issue because that's kind of already written in stone. The issue is um, a separation of powers issue that the executive branch, that, that the, what is it, the House that is going after his tax returns has no right to his tax returns. That's not their job. According to the Constitution, they, they can't ask for that. So if they do... He doesn't have to say yes because they're doing something that isn't mm-hmm. their job anyway. So it's right. it's not even it's not even up for grabs. Now that doesn't always mean that the government will follow what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Sometimes they're you know they try to squirrel around and get to stuff, but uh, it turns out it doesn't matter because somebody got some of the information anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the I wrote it, the New York Times apparently. And yeah, I would be. I'd be curious to who leaked them or how they got these documents. Well, and that's illegal, right? I, w- I would assume it's illegal, yeah. And uh, the the way it was worded was interesting, too, because they said they didn't actually get his tax returned. They got, like, some kind of text information. They got the information via text. They didn't get the returns. Like, that would somehow make it okay? <laughs> it's, I don't know. You know? so It's pretty disgusting. Well, I mean, they, I think that we're, what we're seeing in the House, in the House of Representatives, which, let me be more specific. What we're seeing with the Democrats in the House of Representatives is <clears throat> is just they are willing to tarnish any law. They're willing to break, to break any law, any rule, to just take cheap shots at the president. And, and they don't really care about what's morally right. Yeah. They care about getting him. Exactly. I, like, I know this is a, this is a little bit separated from from the tax returns, but the unredacted Mueller report is available to the House of Representatives. They can go in a room, but because it's classified, they have to go in a room and they can read it, and then they have to leave it in there. They can't take notes or take pictures. Only three representatives have gone in there to read it. That's funny. None of I them are the ones that are. I think it, uh, McConnell has gone in there. I'm trying to think of their names now. Uh, another Republican, and then, I don't know, there's been three. Of all these people that, like, we need it unredacted, we need it unredacted, um, that's, okay, first off, it's illegal to release grand jury information. You can't do it. That's first thing. The second thing is, if you really want to know what's in there, go in there and read it! Just go read it! They haven't, they can do it, and they won't do it. Yeah. So they don't really care about what's in the Mueller report. They don't care about what's no. morally right, or if laws were broken or not. They just want to have cheap shots. Well, and I always wanted to ask the question... Because it did cost a lot of taxpayer money, and oh, yeah. whatever, maybe that you know, maybe if if they were within, if they did legally 
what they could do and spent the money, okay, fine, they, they followed the law. I don't know if they really did. But having Mueller do the report, it's like, if you want to see the info, why did we pay Mueller? If you want to see it, what, what you know, I mean, granted, he spent time compiling the report, but you paid him to do a job, he did it, there it is. What, what more do you need? What, I mean, why, why did he do it if you're not going to go read it? You know, it's right. like... Yeah, exactly. It's 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 silly, and there's um, yeah. I I'm I'm not smart enough to talk about what I was just thinking of, so we won't we won't go there. But (laughs) oh come um, on, man, dive right in. (laughs) Because because I think I'm smart enough to talk about other things. Anyway, but um, it's funny when they started talking about the tax returns and how he lost money for X number of years and didn't pay taxes. Yeah, I'm like I'm thinking. Well, yeah, that's what you do in business. I'm like. My it's, word, the first couple of years I owned my rental property, yeah. I lost money. Yeah, and on purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, well, not completely, but, you I get, know. I get what you're saying. You know. Well, I mean, and uh, granted, this was like between, like, the 80s and 90s. It was a different, I mean, already laws have changed, taxes, tax laws changed, stuff like that. But, like, the, the what they're showing when they, when they try to make these points, and it's so funny listening to, like, a montage of these talking heads, and they're all repeating the exact same lines. Yeah. The Biggest Loser was one of their their taglines or whatever and it just shows their complete inability okay one either they're completely oblivious to how things work like how taxes work how how you how how you as you want to make money and build something that you try to okay the tax law is what the tax law is but you try to work it and try to play it to your advantage try to structure your expenditures and your income so that you can shelter yourself and, and pay as little as possible that's why those laws are there. Yeah. And they're showing either they're completely incompetent or or they're either they either have no idea how the tax system works mm-hmm. or they're just being intentionally deceitful. Turds. Yeah. <laughs> they're being turds. <laughs> which you guess which one I think they're doing. Yeah. It, and uh, I want to talk about the cigar, and then we'll come back to turds in a minute. I don't like to think about turds when I'm smoking a cigar. I know. I've it's had a brown pe- stick. I know. I've had people say that, and I'm just like, no, you've obviously <laughs> never smoked a cigar, because there would be no comparison. There is no comparison. I've never no. smoked a turd, actually. Yes, that's true. I haven't either. Um, I've smoked a cigar that I might say I would rather smoke a turd than that cigar, maybe on one or two occasions. But I usually, usually the, no, I don't. I mean, the, the absolute worst cigar I've ever smoked was not as bad as what I think a turd would taste like. We digress. <laughs> Full circle. So, uh, the Christoph Christiana, I want to say something I thought of that may or may not be true. I might have read that this was like, the the new Christoph Christiana is kind of a remake of the Christoph Criollo Lijero that I really liked. And I can't believe that I forgot that until just now, but I might have read that. Somewhere, so this could be a remake of the one that I said was my favorite out of the original sampler, and uh, and it's tasting some sense. It does, and it's tasting delicious, just like what I like in a cigar. So let's take a draw and try to explain what we are tasting besides just yummy. Uh, Got to keep it lit. It's a damp day. Yeah, it is. Getting sort of a, that mild sweet. <clears throat> um, I don't know how to identify it because there's so many different things that. Yeah, I think it might have gone just a smidge more. Like I would draw a line here. I was saying bread, and then I thought maybe earth. So I said bread and earth. I think it's a little more sweet earth, mm-hmm. but it's weird that I've, that's still there's still a baking spice kind of backside to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to say vanilla. But some, yeah, it's in that. Fa- it's but, like in that neighborhood. Yeah, the sweetness is in that neighborhood. So kind of a baking spice with some earth, um, maybe a vanilla. Mm, not not sure yet. Mm. I've only done a light retrohale, and it just I think it enhances the sweetness. It's it. The retrohale is a little burny on this one. I've been doing it super light. I'll yeah, do. me too. But <clears throat> I would expect it. It did burn a little. I would expect it to because we're getting a nice little bit of spice on yep, it. Yep. That's usually a sign. Plus, I got like, it's a little burning, just a smidge wonky. Yeah. But um, but like I got this a two inch, nice. two inch ash just yeah. about. So. Probably gonna knock it off here in a second, just so I can relax and not have to think about when my ash is gonna fall off. Yeah. So we can talk with our hands and but um, but.
But I will say that the damp day is probably affecting the burn and the fact that we got to draw yeah. a little more than normal to, to keep it lit. Cause I think so. It's very humid. It was actually raining when we first started recording. Now the sun's trying to come out, but it's still super cloudy and really Be damp out. And beautiful day to be sitting in the garage, cool day, mm -hmm. got my hoodie on, it's, it's nice, but... Um, I don't think I have anything more to add. I think it's pretty consistent. I'm not noticing much of a change. I'm just I'm just honing in on the flavors a little more, I think. So Well, so that's good. Um back to the word turd and this has nothing to do with politics, but <laughs> I just want to throw this out. It was kind of funny <coughs> funny and fun at work that one of the one of the brothers, the family the business owners like mentioned something to one of the other brothers about language at work and <laughs> and one time and a few days after that somebody spouted off and said like the f word like three times in like two sentences and I looked at him and I said you know I think you could have done that with one f word and maybe a couple more colorful adjectives but and then but then the brother that was complaining about the language starts laughing, you know, that I'm like correcting one of the other employees and I said, "What are some substitute words?" And he said, "Well, my dad, the I don't know how old he is, 70 or 80 years old, he always says rascal when he's mad." So it's like if I'm picking up a pig or fighting a sow, like, "Ah, you rascal." And now I try to say that instead of there you go. instead it's of something nasty, you know, with but there's all kinds of substitute words, you know, it's like, hey, "What do I say at church if I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, language is so. I really think that, to a large degree, if we're talking about language, I think that profanity is generally a cop out a little bit. I mean, a wordsmith should be able to find words that everybody can tell you're angry if you're angry, mm -hmm. right? And and to I don't know. There's some people though that really cannot understand that unless you're swearing at them, they're not going to get it. Yeah. And, that's that's just so weak to me, but it's I don't know. The we're we living. There's always a better way to say it to the, me. Maybe I I always live by know your audience, and then the underlying principle there is, you need to know how the audience is going to respond to the words you say. So they might have a different meaning than you do, or they might respond in a more favorable way if you use language that you're not used to. Mm -hmm. So there is a communication element there, that, you know, there there's certain. Like, yeah. there's some guys at work that if I'd say the F word, they would get it more than if I didn't, which it's unfortunate, but that's, you know. Yeah. And it's like a dialect. Yeah, it is. So, anyway, fun little... I think dialects are fascinating. ...thing about yeah. language. They are. It was... I, I probably learned the most just experientially when I went to India, because in India, the national language was Hindi, but the second language of just about everybody was not Hindi... It was whatever their main language was, then it was English. Uh. And then a lot of them spoke Hindi too, but they all had their original dialect. And when I started asking, well, how different are these languages? It's like, well, you know, it's like going from state to state. So if you went from Iowa to Missouri, mm -hmm. you could probably communicate, but it's different enough that you'd have some trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really? It's like you go from state to state in India, it's a different language. You go from state to state in Iowa, it's just like, yeah. you know, I'm a hick, you're not. <laughs> but we can understand each other pretty good. Um, but it was interesting that how the dialects were, were so different and like almost in some cases, completely different languages. Yeah. It's crazy. But, um, so we're all over and that's fine. That's what we do. <laughs> do you want to, I want to say something and this, this can be short. If my cigar doesn't go out. Mm. It almost did. To fight to stay alive. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on the day, not the cigar. Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely the day. In fact, I'm gonna dump the ash off. You did mm -hmm. because that's gonna Just let to me get some air. Mm -hmm. That's gonna get me some more air. Keep it burning. Yeah. Um, so the fact that that Trump said he was gonna send illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities, I thought that was brilliant. But I but he. But I think he ended up turning away from it and not yeah. doing it. And we, we kind of talked about immigration previously. I don't know if we need to go into much detail, but it's like, man, that's just that was such a brilliant idea. It was a brilliant move. And I don't know if it was really legal or if it was pushing the limits, but it just seemed like fine if you 
here, why don't you help? Why don't you help your country? Yeah. And then, not, then they don't want to, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, any, any more to say about that? No, I think, I think we pretty much covered that when we talked about it before. But I yeah. think that, that, again, I think that so much of the, of the way the president works is he, he's good at rhetoric to the point where he can bait his yeah. opponents yeah. into doing and saying what he wants them to. And I think that that's part of his political genius. And probably it's part of his business success as well, is just this ability to sort of understand what's really going to get his opponent going and then pushing that button. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he wins. You know, I, I really care about words, and I, I like to say what I mean. But I do get the idea of sometime just saying something to emotionally drive somebody to a certain level and then pulling back. One, what you said maybe wasn't exactly correct, but you've kind of pushed your opponent yeah. a little further in one direction by saying it. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me how many people actually do really lead with their emotions. Maybe all people lead with their emotions, but um, it's just it's a reality too. It's a reality that we live in. Well, I I'd like to get your your take on. Um, I'd like to go to the kind of the Hamas Israel kind of battle. Sure. Because I I know that some of the places I get my information are probably pretty pro-Jewish. I would still trust them, but I and I would hope they would tell me the truth. But I, I would wonder if they would want to make the other side look worse. So sure. so I'm always trying to keep that in check. But I, in the mainstream media, it seemed like everybody was reporting something to the effect of Hamas and Israel exchange fire. And they were basically saying, oh, they're shooting back and forth. And nobody actually said Hamas fired X number of yeah. missiles at wasn't Israel it, and started it like this. like 600? It was a lot. It was insane. And part of the reason it happened is, to what I understand, is that... Uh, come on, Cigar. <laughs> Sorry, guys. The cigar's more important than what I'm saying. Um... <laughs> There's a name for it. It's like the Iron Dome or something. Mm-hmm. Israel has a really good yeah. defense system. Yeah. But apparently, like if you fire <laughs> 700 rockets like all at the same spot... It can't pick them up. It pick, can't, can't, get, it them can't get them all. Yeah. And that's, I guess, kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. And But I, the big deal was that, you know, trying the media trying to say these are just two groups that are fighting, and which doesn't seem like that's really accurate. Yeah. It seems like Hamas is the one that's constantly causing trouble, firing into Israel. And I heard someone say if Israel... If Hamas quit firing on Israel, there wouldn't be a conflict. I don't know if that's true, but that's that's what someone said. And it, it seems to be true, plus the fact that you know Hamas sets up their missile sites where they're going to shoot from around a school. And then when the Israelis fire back to kill... To, to to destroy the missile launching site, they kill a bunch of civilians, yeah. and then the media can say, "Oh, well, Israel's bad because they're killing all these civilians." Yeah, I don't know. I I've never really known exactly where to land on the whole Israeli Palestinian conflict. Now, I mean, like it's been going on for so long, right? I mean, this is a very, 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 very old conflict, mm-hmm. and there's no question. There's no question that they both want the same territory. There's no question that they both have, in in their own eyes, like subjectively speaking, that they're both totally justified in their, in their thinking, you know, mm-hmm. from their own perspectives. And I've never really known 100% where to land on that because I believe in a sort of biblical timeline. Like, you know, I, I believe that certain things will happen sooner or later, mm-hmm. and God will intervene, and different things like that, um, just part of our Judeo-Christian worldview, <clears throat> so that tends to make us land on the side of Israel, I think, for most people it does anyway, and I, uh, at the same time, like, there wouldn't be peace if Palestine would just stop, I mean, you could say that about any conflict, right, if you pick a fight with me, right. and I fight back, if one of us quits, then the, the conflict is over because one of us quits. But it, Well, not if I keep hitting you. Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that the, the war is... Right. For one of us would have to quit, quit firing and, and quit 
trying to win the fight. I mean, neither one of them is going to ever try to quit. So it's well, but my it's point kind is, of silly. if we only fight when I start punching you and you defend yourself, that's different than you than you coming and punching me when I haven't punched you first. So there is a little bit of a difference. And yeah. I don't know if this is an think, accurate assessment. I think but. that the assessment that if Palestine would quit, you know, launching rockets, that the conflict would be over. The mm. conflict wouldn't be over. Because they, unless one of them quits their claims on, on their territory, that's when the fight will be over. And I don't, I don't think either side is going to do that. Um, I, w- I would delineate between maybe war and, and conflict. I would say that the political conflict would still be present, but less people would be dying. Sure. And you have to admit, if the information I have is accurate... My cigar, my cigar, staying lit now. <laughs> if the if my information is correct, it does seem like someone should say, and I don't know what I mean by this, say not verbally, but someone should should kind of flex their muscles and say, quit putting your missile sites by a hospital, you know, because. Yeah. If that's true, that's just ridiculous. You're letting your own people get killed so that the other side gets bad press. That's stupid. But I guess you can do what you want. You're you're an independent country, right? Yeah. yeah. And so <clears throat> there's some art of warfare going on here. There there is. And I'm assuming that the information I have isn't just propaganda. Sure. You know, it could be. I think one of the main differences is that as far as Hamas goes, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but as far as Me my either. understanding is, is that Hamas will not stop fighting until all, until Israel is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that I've that I understand that Israel is willing to coexist, but mm-hmm. but the Palestinians are not willing to coexist. They their stated purpose is to yeah. obliterate Israel. That's a problem, you know. Well. Yes, and I agree, and I'm pretty sure it was. It had to be Ben Shapiro, who basically said, "Look at the countries in Israel. There are all kinds of Muslims that live in peace in Israel, but look at the other countries. There are no, not a lot of there Jews are no Jews in, in any of those countries. Yeah. And it's not just because they're not as nice as Israel. It's because they go there, they get killed. Yeah. I mean, that's not their stated purpose is to kill them. Right. So like. I, that 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 does seem like there's one side that is at least a little more rational than, than the other, and and so I at least wanted to talk about that, yeah. so, you know, and admit that I'm not sure. I may not have my information correct, but but it does seem like the media tries to make it look like this is like they don't want to take sides, but they are taking sides because <laughs> they, they're yeah. making the bad guys look like good guys. They do take sides, yeah. yeah. So anyway, okay, well, so. Back to the no collusion thing. Um, before our cigar, <laughs> I want to sing this song so bad. Before, before no, I'm gonna not do it. Before our update, it's so catchy because you know <laughs> you pick a good old catchy song and you do a parody. You just want to sing it. It's great. I mean, I'm I'm promoting my own song. I hope everybody else thinks it's great. So, my buddy Bryce and I got together, and the first couple lines of the song will give you an idea where we're headed. You'll hear it because we're gonna play it on the podcast. But basically, we took the locomotion. We took the version specifically by Little Eva, which may have been the original. I'm not sure. And we redid it. Instead of the locomotion, it's no collusion. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Come on, baby, do the no collusion. Do the no collusion. And it was so fun. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna pause. We're gonna fit it right in right now. And after the song, we'll do a cigar update.
Okay. I hope you I hope you liked the song. <laughs> um, it's gonna be stuck in my head for I, a long time. I know it. It was really fun to do, and really, I want to give kudos to my buddy Bryce. All the production credits, it's all him. I wrote the song, and he helped on, on a couple lines. And I wanted to sing it because I wrote it, but then we were, we were trying to decide which one of us had the worst vocalist for the vocal for the song, and my vocal was the worst, so so I let him sing it. And uh, he, he did a phenomenal job, so I hope you enjoy the No Collusion song, and I hope Hi, you... Papa. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> that was my little girl, Fia. And uh, so I, you know, maybe maybe we'll get popular with it. Maybe we won't share it with I'm, all I'm your friends. I've sent it out to friends. some people, but uh, we'll see. If it it's got like, it had like 15 views as of yesterday. It, also, it also had a copyright violation. Which, which really which man flagged it yeah which they which didn't take it down but they said that uh, I can't I can't monetize it because of the copyright violation because it's conservative probably they didn't say that but I disputed the violation and did what I needed to do so maybe maybe Steven Crowder will there you go maybe he'll hear it and he'll come help me fight my yeah. my battle and see if we can get it monetized or something good luck have to go viral first, so we got to make it go viral. Yeah, we need to make it go viral. So, uh, and and you know, I'm, I'm there's part of me that's as as a person, just I created this and Bryce helped, and I, I want to make a little bit of money at it. But if somebody took it and produced it well and made money at it, I would be almost as excited making no money. Yeah, right. You know, so <laughs> it would it would still be fun. It so. sounds good. I I think uh, Bryce does an amazing job at what he does, and so I want to give him kudos too. Yeah, I'm for doing it completely like we put no money into it it was just whatever recording stuff he had and we did it it was it was awesome and he did a really good job with because he all the fill everything in the background yeah. background vocals he did he did great it was it was phenomenal so a lot of fun <clears throat> well um this cigar is awesome um strength wise medium bodied oh yeah i'd call it at least medium I think it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it kind of it kind of punches you right at the beginning, and it just kind of stays strong. So yeah. I think this. I think the only change that maybe I'm noticing, I might be getting used to it, or I might it might have changed a little. It maybe has a little less of the picante spice mm-hmm. in my mouth and throat now, which is is okay. I liked the spice at the beginning, but it almost that almost smoothed it out to yeah. where now just all of the flavors are blending together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am gonna say vanilla. I think I'm getting vanilla. And uh, I'm gonna typically like vanilla. I get with bread, but I'm gonna call it a little more earthy, and not. I'm gonna draw the line and say earthy instead of bready. Vanilla. Am I getting anything else? Mm. Definitely none of that dirty earth I get from the Nicaraguans. Yeah, that's for sure. I almost, I almost get sort of a ginger, a little bit of ginger, and. It might be in my imagination, but kind of that vanilla, kind of in there with that mm. vanilla gingery type of. I might have said that when I was getting a little of the spice, because maybe that maybe the spice in the beginning reminded me of ginger when it, you know you drink a nice spicy cup of ginger tea. Yeah, honey. I definitely, I'm definitely getting ginger. Okay, cool. I like that. Well, I uh, I think that's what that's what we'll stick with when we do our final wrap. We'll let you know what we're supposed to taste. Mm-hmm. So I will say though that the humidity of the day made me kind of like have to pull on this thing pretty hard and get it pretty hot and that's kind of made it a little dirtier than probably it was if I would have kept it cool um, so I think this is definitely one I'd want to keep cool kind of just like keep an easy cadence with I'm gonna buy more of these without a doubt I don't have to wait till the end to tell you that this is this is awesome this is what I like in a cigar we almost smoked one because I wasn't sure I kind of kind of picked the cigar last minute we, it doesn't matter, but we almost we'll, we'll next week we'll smoke the Kristoff pissed off, which is which, which is a really funny name. The Kristoff pissed off. Is it pissed off or pissed off? I don't know. <laughs> Someone actually wrote in and told them they should name a cigar that, and so, so they made so they made they made it. Isla or you? We we need you to stay outside and play. You can't come in here right now, okay? I love you. Maybe later. <laughs> you go 
I hope they can hear the little voices in the background playing outside the garage. That's kind of fun. No shortage of cuteness around here. No, definitely. With you and my girls around, it <laughs> doesn't get much better. Well, um, so it might be fun. We, we might hit something else political, but it, it, it might get us into some interesting conversation about values. We may land on different sides of this or not. I'm not sure. But there was a gentleman in Florida that got taken to jail for a vulgar bumper sticker. And um, when he was when he was pulled over, um, there was the the cop. He's according to the the guy that was pulled over. Um, the cop wasn't being very nice, but a cop doesn't have to be nice. He just needs to follow the law. <laughs> And he was telling him that he needed to go out and take the bumper sticker off or scratch off a letter, kind of censor it in some way. And he didn't do it. And he apparently was taken to jail and I believe charged with something that sounds like, I can't, I forgot what it was technical, but like he wasn't cooperating with what the cop said, so he got in trouble for that. Um but not violently. It specifically said he didn't violently resist what the cop said. He just wouldn't do it. So he got in trouble for not doing what the cop said, even though he cooperated and went went to jail. Mm-hmm. And um, $2,500 bond or something like that. And uh, he apparently made a statement, I think, to the cop, where he said... Um, you know, a local something like a local statute doesn't override his freedom of speech. So, so where do you want to go with this? Well, ultimately, I mean, <clears throat> the problem this guy has is with the Florida code, not with the cop. And right, whether he was nice or not, I'll have to. Right, I'll the, have to give I mean, that. yeah, the 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 law enforcement officer has a duty and a. I mean, he's sworn to uphold the law of the state. And if the state makes a law saying it's illegal to walk across the street in a certain spot, or if it says if the code says that there's a law saying you can't... I don't know. Did you, I, did you ever have one of those books of weird laws when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. You know, there was one in New York where you couldn't, like, take a bath with a donkey or something. I mean, like... <laughs> This, there's, a, there's a ton of weird laws on books. I just moved to Iowa, darn it. Because you can take a bath with a donkey here. I don't know. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that if the guy thinks the law is unconstitutional, then he needs to appeal the law. And this is what's going to happen, yeah. maybe. And they're, they're going to have a, a ruling about it. And, I mean, you can't fault the police officer for, for doing his job. Uh, sounds like he was probably pretty civil with the guy if... It didn't get to a fight, or if, you know, and it sounds like he just didn't make him take it off altogether. Just like, listen, you can't have that on here; it's the law. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to know. I I feel like with any of this stuff, and this this is just one of many now that, like these videos go viral on social media and stuff of police acting in a certain way. Um, so much of it has to do with context of the situation. I mean, was this guy... I, immediately, I'm thinking in my head that this probably... I mean, it's a Florida statute, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that it probably... In order to get a complaint, in order to get somebody to call it in and say, Hey, this guy's got a bumper sticker that... I mean, the word was ass, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not like the worst word ever. In order for somebody to call that in and actually complain about it... Um, He's probably annoying people in some other way, or he's going in a place where people are, you know, like going into a community where people are sensitive to this type of thing or something. I mean, well, I, well, I would like to know the whole story. Right. Uh, but you are assuming some things. We can talk about at least the value. We can talk about whether he should or shouldn't with, without respect to the law. But let me give you a couple of the pieces of information that, sure. are, that were curious to me. First of all, the, a, the ACLU actually made a, made a comment according to what I read, and they, they basically said, um, they were kind of on the guy's side, but they were saying, you, you know, you if, if you have a problem um, with, you have a problem with that law, not with the officer, same thing you said. You know, if you have a problem with the law, that's that's fine. You need to do what you need to do if you got a problem with that. And, um, whoops. And the other thing that was interesting to me, his car was towed, 
when he got out and got it back, the sticker was still on his car and had not been, you know, had not been touched. Which I think is probably what they were supposed to do. They yeah. weren't supposed to do anything with it. The final piece of information that is kind of fun, a bunch of his buddies were like, oh, we're going to go out and get the same sticker. Now, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but... Um, I don't know if that's really going to help the situation either. Right. I, it might. It might not. Who knows? Uh, you know, a whole bunch of people get pulled over and maybe, you know... But I didn't hear that he made a video or a recording or anything of it. I just, I don't know. So what? what's your opinion? Should we, should we be able to put any sticker we want on the bumper of our car? I think that in, the, in this particular case, okay, the reason we have the First Amendment isn't so that we can be stupid or or... That we can uh, say whatever we want to offend as many people as we possibly can. The, the, the purpose of the First Amendment is for political speech. is to protect a dissenting opinion or to protect, um, protect us from, like, the government. Uh, it's, it's to protect, it's not to protect foul language or to protect just vulgarity for the sake of vulgarity. Which, in my, in my opinion, that's what this is. It's just vulgarity for the sake of vulgarity. What, what the sticker said, I'm not going to talk, you know. Okay. But he's not making a point. He's not... Uh, I don't know if this is protected speech under the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I would say that if Florida has the law, uphold the law. If the law's bad, change the law. I don't really have an opinion beyond that. I think that people ought to take the First Amendment a little more seriously and not fight over just a stupid, vulgar sticker. I think they should talk about First Amendment issues like censorship on social media or uh, different platforms, things, people that are being banned and silenced because they have legitimate political views uh, instead of talking about First Amendment things where some guy's just trying to kind of be a punk. But, I mean, that's my personal opinion, but... Well, I, I would agree most of what you said. I would, I would disagree a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure either if, it, if the purpose of the First Amendment is to only protect political speech. And the, first of all, the reason I would argue then, it becomes political when someone else defines what is vulgar. When, when some entity says, that's vulgar, you can't say it, then it becomes political because it becomes a policy issue for what you can or can't do in public. So then, because someone else is defining what's vulgar. I think... Loosely, loosely speaking, I'm okay with saying, I think I get to define what's vulgar, and if I see that bumper sticker on his car, I can tell my kids, that's vulgar, you probably shouldn't put that sticker on your car. And he even, I think, I don't know if the cop asked him this, but I think the cop might have asked him, you know, how, how would you expect somebody to explain that sticker to their kids? And he said, well, that would be up to the parents, which was the right answer, I think. And I, I think I'm okay... Because I'm going to raise my kids a certain way. They're going to trust me enough to ask me questions, to figure these things out. If those things are in public, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to worry about it too much. And I think that's better not telling somebody they can't have a negative thing. I think a negative, um, a vulgar thing on their bumper sticker. I think that's better than giving the government enough power to define what is vulgar. Com common decency. Yeah. Because... I, because someone could say, well, you put a Trump sticker on your car, you know, he had sex with a porn star, he's a racist, he's all this stuff, those things are vulgar, I don't want that sticker on your car. Well, then then the government has the power to tell you yeah. you can't put that sticker I, on your car. I think I'm a little bit okay with, I'm a little bit okay, no, I'm a lot bit okay with the, with elements of government saying what's decent for the masses and what's not. I probably am too if you pushed me, but <laughs> yeah, I think so. But but it makes me nervous. Uh, yeah, it should make us nervous. But I just think that <clears throat> I think I mean like for example, if somebody's in a family restaurant and they're just like two booths over and they're just dropping f bombs right and left, and I've got I'm sitting there with my kids. That guy has a freedom of speech, but we're not talking about ideas. We're just talking about mm -hmm. disturbing disturbing the peace of of people around him. And and I know we're like extrapolating like big ideas from from this incident, but like I think that it's okay for for local governments to put in 
code. This is common decent behavior, and and we try to we kind of want to have a good environment for families. We want to incentivize good behavior. We want to incentivize good moral activity, and we want to try to lessen just the filth factor, you know. And I, I mean, like, ah, uh, yeah. I know it's a slippery slope, well, but at the same time, I mean, if we don't have any guards on what behavior is acceptable and unacceptable, then human nature is always going to just push that out to the to its furthest end until, you know, we've got lewd acts on the streets. Oh, this is art. This is free speech. I don't know. I, I think we have to have some kind of restraint on that. Um... I agree with most of, maybe all of your moral shoulds. I think the only place I would draw a line is when it's necessary for the government to pass, whether it's local or, if it's local, you're going to win my heart more. But even on a local level, I'm not sure that it's better to have a statute that restricts it. I think it's better for me to go to the booth next door and say, hey guys, I got my kids over here, do you mind either talking quieter or just not dropping so many F-bombs? And if they throw a fit, go to the manager. And if the manager says it's his restaurant, the manager can ask him to leave or not. I cannot eat there or not. And if they're just driving around with a lewd bumper sticker, gosh, on a public street, maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay with it. Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, so, so I mean somebody, I'm trying to draw a line yeah, here. There is a line. There's got to be a line. Because yeah. I think that if someone had a van and they painted a mural, a pornographic mural on there... Uh, I think that you'd probably have a problem with that. I I would probably I, I would be I would be more likely to yes, um, and I and I might be in favor of some local statute and you know it's like yeah and and then again and part of part of the reason is because I have been in I have been in circles where I think people just wanted to restrict things um, too much and it's not that I disagreed with the restriction it's that I disagreed with giving even a local government, with the power to define the restriction, because when they do that, then if the wrong people get in power, they can say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's vulgar to, to put the Christian fish and say, I love Jesus on your car. Now, maybe that's a ridiculous argument, but when you start drawing lines, there is a certain level of when it's defined a certain way, that can be... Applied, is applied to everyone yep. by the definition of the law, and I get a little nervous. But you're right, and I'm glad you push me when you say painted on the side of a van, a pornographic, I, I'd probably be okay with the law, you know, restricting that. Sure. And so it's um, just up, I mean, to me it's up to those pe the people of that area um, where they want to draw the line. And I don't know, dude, I mean, how old is this guy? <laughs> I don't remember. He's, I mean, he didn't sound unreasonable. Um, but, you know, yeah. and also, but gosh, it wasn't that bad of a bumper sticker. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't think, but, so, anyway, I guess we've kind of said what we need to say. We might revisit it. It, it might be fun to let you push me a little more because... Well, I, I guess the question is, if this law gets revisited, and if the law gets overturned, is that going to push things in general in the, in the right direction, or is it going to push things in general in a wrong di direction? I'm kind of thinking if you open that door, it's going to push things in in the immoral direction versus pushing them into the moral direction. Allowing people freedom does allow people to do inappropriate things. And I'm mostly okay with that because their, their speech, their bumper stickers, their pictures aren't my property. I teach my kids, I raise my kids, and in the public forum... Now, that gets a little blurred, mm -hmm. and when there's a lot of people that say, we don't want pornographic pictures on sides of vans in a community, I'm completely in favor of the community drawing very, very I mean, if you're going to limit freedom with a law, be very careful, be, be very, you know, as specific as you can, just be careful that the, the power that you're giving, and I'm, I'm still in favor of it, I'm just yeah. very, very limited. But it might... I, I so <clears throat> wish that this guy had just had a better uh, yeah i mean i understand your arguments completely i just wish that it was a a better a fight. more important fight than, yeah me too than a, than a kind of ridiculous i just want to get a rise out of somebody bumper sticker <laughs> yeah well i'm not he didn't seem like a guy that was just trying to get a rise out of somebody he just seemed like somebody that was pulled over and like really yeah it's just that <laughs> yeah and i get i get that he wants to fight it i mean 
But at the same time, I think I would have just said, oh, yeah, you're right. It's kind of dumb. I'll, I'll scratch that off. Or... Well, you wouldn't have put it on there to begin with. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it on there to begin with, yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, maybe... Maybe we'll take some notes and revisit it more. I don't know if we can talk anymore, but I do like that you push my you push well, my because drawing policy is about drawing lines. So the fact that you push back, and I try to find out where I would agree to draw a line is good. It's good for us both to think that way. And I hope I hope that our six listeners appreciate up to that, six now. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll do a Google analytic. Except <laughs> it it might might actually might discourage us. It might. So anyway, okay. We need to we need to close up. The cigar, um, mine burned a little wonky and I lost a teeny piece of my wrapper, which is fine. We're going to blame it on the humid day, but here's what we were supposed to taste. Expect a smooth, creamy smoke. Creamy. Maybe, maybe creamy. I'm not sure if I'd say that, but smooth, creamy smoke filled with flavors of vanilla, honey, I didn't say honey, leather, and earth with a subtle natural sweetness. Subtle natural sweetness. That's what we've been getting the whole time. Yeah, and that's that's made it that's made it amazing. I think I might agree with the the honey vanilla. Yeah, maybe the honey, I, the honey makes sense. Yeah, I, leather is is one of those things I'm still not sure of when I take. Yeah. I wouldn't I, say I got leather. I like to just disregard when I hear leather yeah. completely because it's not something that I like to taste necessarily. I don't chew on leather often, and I don't associate that with pleasantness, but. So sometimes if they say leather, I just like yeah, whatever. I'm gonna get a piece of leather this week and like scratch it with a knife and smell it and then scratch every day, just scratch it and smell it and say, do I ever get that in a cigar? I don't know because I, I, it seems like that's viewed as favorable in a yeah. cigar, but I'm not sure I ever noticed yeah. leather. Leather, the '90s are over, man. Leather's out. I know leather's out, but creamy. I, I, if it was, it's lightly creamy. I mean, I've I've had a creamy Connecticut that's yeah. way more creamy than this. Yeah. But maybe there, maybe that's what smoothed it some. But but we're gonna we're gonna call that good. We went just a hair long, and that's okay with our with our song, bonus content with our bonus content this yeah. time. And um, so that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Doug and Joe talk. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time.